Hello and welcome to Nutmeg Book Drops, Elementary Edition. This podcast is brought to you by Librarians Connect, a group of public and school librarians from throughout the state of Connecticut. Find us online at bit.ly slash librariansconnect. On each episode, we will be discussing one or more of the 2023 Elementary Nutmeg Book Award nominees. You can check these out from your local library. Welcome, Nutmeg listeners. My name is Ann Fourier, and I am a school librarian at Moses Y. Beach Elementary School in Wallingford, Connecticut. On today's episode of Nutmeg Book Drops Elementary Edition, we are joined by Charlotte Agel, the author of Maybe Tomorrow. This book is illustrated by Ana Ramirez Gonzalez, and it was published by Scholastic Press. Hello, Charlotte, and welcome to our podcast. Hi, I am really thrilled to be here. Um, I'm sitting in my home studio here in Brunswick, Maine, on a pretty hot summer's day. Um, And I just have to say that I'm particularly thrilled to be sitting with librarians because there's really no place I'd rather be than a library. And also, small fun fact about me is that I pretty much learned English in a library as a Swedish kid who, and my mother too, we, we kind of learned it together. The first time we moved out of Sweden, it was to uh, Montreal, which was French and English. I just remember how amazing it was that you could go home with, with a pile of books. And uh, I was grateful to my local library. I do love going home with a pile of books. <laughs> I'm Christina O'Neill. I am a pre-K to five librarian in Middlebury, Connecticut. And I'm Maureen Schlosser, a former school librarian and classroom educator. Charlotte, you are also a teacher. On the back jacket flap of Maybe Tomorrow, you say that your students inspired you to write this story. Can you tell us what you teach and how your students influence you as an author? I I surely can. Now, um, my teaching life has been mostly in writing, working with kids on writing, also reading, and also art. And there's a very specific story about the one of the inspirations for Maybe Tomorrow. Um, I wish I could, I'm holding up Elba now, but this is a podcast, so people who are listening can't see Elba. Elba never went to school with me, but Elba is a tiny clay figurine from South Africa that I bought in Brunswick, Maine many, many years ago. And she sat on my desk at home looking very, 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 very sad. And I knew she wanted to tell me a story, but I didn't know what the story was yet. And she was just like in the book, she was very slow to actually say anything. So Elba's sitting on my home desk. And meanwhile, I'm teaching at school at the Harrison Middle School in Yarmouth, Maine, also at the elementary school, but it was at the middle school several years ago um, that one of my students, a sixth grader, asked me, well, she was in sixth grade back then, Emily. uh, I remember we were standing right by one of my favorite places, the poem booth, which um, used to be a phone booth that I took and converted into a poem booth. So we're standing right there, full of student poems, the poem booth was. And she said, Ms. Aguil, do you ever get, do you ever get writer's block? And I found myself saying, not really, Emily. I think it's more like I have too many ideas. They're kind of like butterflies. They're just all over the place. And then I think that by saying block and butterflies, those two concepts that you will see, and maybe tomorrow there's a block and there are butterflies, they started playing around in, I guess, my subconscious. 
because it wasn't that day, but it was pretty soon after that, that Elba finally spilled her story. She spilled the beans and told me, you know, what was up. So it was almost like my student's question was like permission for Elba, who I know is a, you know, a clay figurine. So this all sounds crazy, but it was almost like having Emily ask me that, let Elba do the talking. And I just had to pick up my pen and write. That's really a very cool story. In, in the book, Maybe Tomorrow, that came out prior to COVID-19, but it's really more timely um, than ever as kids are coping with so many challenges tied to the pandemic. Yes. What do you hope that your readers will understand through this story? Well, that thank you for that beautiful point, because all of us, all of us have been through and, and are still going through, but especially really have been through something so um, hard, really. I'm I'm in my 60s and I, you know, I've been on the planet for a lot of revolutions around the sun. And this to me is one of the strangest times in our history. And I have to honor all the kids and all the teachers and all the parents and all the families because we're in it together. That's the good thing. I hope that this book is kind of like a door for if people want to talk about their feelings. I really feel like we should never force anyone to talk about their feelings. But if somebody might be ready, just like Elba finally was ready to talk about their feelings. It, I guess also was in part inspired by my daughter. She's an adult now, but she had a, a hard uh, series of years. And I learned a lot from her when she was going through some stuff, including this um, famous sentence. She said, don't try to fix it, just listen. And so maybe this book will help us listen to each other. And then if somebody really is ready to express those feelings, which I think is very healthy, to do, then um, you know, it would be my hope that maybe a classroom read aloud of this or someone finding it in the library might help you know, express, get some of that out, that we all have stuff we kind of need to share, really, and it gets easier when we're ready to share it. But the timing is kind of everything. Well, that's beautiful. The illustrations are so cheerful and hopeful, even through Elba's sadness. Did you have any input on how your story was illustrated? Actually, no. The funny thing that many people don't know is that, generally speaking, you have no contact with your illustrator until after. Uh, I had, well, I had one tiny little thing I was able to do. I, I'm very, very glad, um, as, as the person who's illustrated all of my other books, but I'm very, very glad that Ana Ramirez Gonzalez was chosen to do this because exactly what you said, Maureen, which is that they're so hopeful and, and, and full of life and love, when I originally drew this book, I did like the pictures, but they were kind of heavier somehow. And I think what Anna did with this book was, was exactly the right thing. The one thing that I did get input on was if, um, you know, if you're reading this book and you go to the very, very last page, in fact, it's kind of after the story's over, there's a picture of Elba and Norris having their picnic. I did get to see uh, Anna's illustrations and originally there was no, no long thread there from Elba off to the left. In other words, the block was gone. And uh, there was no way to, to and, and truly, you know, just like Elba says, I will always have this block, you know. So it, I, I, the one thing I did say, which fortunately, because I know as an illustrator, it can be really annoying to you know, have to redo something. But uh, it was pretty easy for her to just draw a line. We both agreed that that would be a good fix. <laughs> Well, something I did notice, too, is that with your other books, you illustrated all of your other books. But this one, uh, somebody else illustrated. Yes. Why did that happen? Well, I think, you know, when you um, sell a book, when you want a publishing company to to produce your book, what you do is you send them. It's a really funny word. Um, I've gotten used to it, but you send them a dummy. 
which of course is, you know, in the publishing industry, it's not an insult. It just means a little, you know, a mock up, a um, how you think your book should look. And I was so excited when, you know, especially as a teacher, when Scholastic bought it, that was a big hooray for me. But then um, I heard from my new editor that they couldn't really agree on my illustrations. In fact, they were thinking they would rather have somebody else illustrated. And, you know, like anytime you make something and someone likes it, but they don't like all of it, it's a little bit awkward, but I rapidly got over that because I saw, uh, you know, when they picked, when they picked Ana Ramirez Gonzalez, um, I was thrilled. Uh, she's a cool Pixar illustrator. She had a lot to do with the movie Coco, if you've ever seen that, and also a new one that I haven't seen yet. So I, I, I feel happy now. Um, at first it was a little strange because I do illustrate my books usually, but it was a, it was a cool to be on a team. It's fun to learn about teamwork, even if the teamwork doesn't, you know, really happen as you go along, kind of more like a little bit after. She's um, a really lovely young woman. And the a curious fact is that we're both immigrants. She's from Mexico originally, and I'm from Sweden originally. And now we both live and have lived for a while in the United States. Um, so that's, uh, it's kind of like an immigrant team. Our next question is about Norris. So we have a, a match in this story also. Norris is the best kind of friend anyone could hope to have, and exactly the friend Elba needs at this time in her life. How did you create his character? Well, it's funny because, oh, I wonder if I could put my hands on it. In my classroom, I discovered that I had invented, I think, I think she did see my dummy. It looks a lot the way that Ana Ramirez Gonzalez imagined him. He, in my version, he had a top hat and a bow tie, and he was often on a unicycle. Uh, but he looked like this. He was kind of a crocodile. And um, he just came to me and I drew him. But then I noticed because one day I was in my classroom and I, I had many years ago done this little pamphlet for the state of Maine called Audience Matters. It was how to behave in an audience. Someone else had written it based on tips from artists, performing artists and others who were doing work in the schools. And it was for kids about how, you know, how to be in an audience. It was so long ago that it, it mentioned cell phones exactly zero times because there weren't any. But I realized it was illustrated and I had little animal characters. Um, and one of them was Norris. I realized, oh my gosh, actually Norris has been in a book or a pamphlet before, uh, visually speaking, you know, not maybe his temperament, but kind of his exuberance, I guess, because he's not only a really good friend and a good listener, but he's also full of vim and vigor and zing and zoom and, you know, all that stuff. So that's a good idea for our nutmeg listeners to save all their artwork because maybe it'll end up yes. in, a, in a book someday. I, I'm a big fan. You can't see in the podcast, but behind me is something that I feel lucky to have called flat files. Certainly I didn't have it until fairly recently. You know, it, it, whether it's a shoebox or actual flat files, if, if there's a way to save the things you're most proud of, you might be surprised later to have a new idea grow out of them or to just say, whoa, I didn't remember that I'd kind of thought, made that up, you know, when I was in fourth grade or whatever. I did a lot of writing and drawing as a kid. Uh, and my mother, even though we moved so much, my mother did save a few of the books. So they're fun to show to kids. So Charlotte, you live in Maine now. You were born in Sweden and you've lived in many other places. How have your experiences living in other cultures shaped you as a writer, a reader, and as a person? That is a great question. I think I was very lucky to have the, the, the moving around childhood that I had. Um, it was moving around to the point that between 
fifth grade and seventh grade, I was in five different schools on three continents. And what that did was bewilder me because you kind of, when you're the new kid, you're trying to figure out how do you do things here? People react in many, many different ways to being you know, the new kid and trying to figure out how do you do things here. But for me, I became, I think, a pretty good observer, maybe even a good spy um, because I wanted to figure out, you know, how they did things here. And I think if you are a writer or any kind of artist, you have to be a good observer and really pay attention and see, you know, see what you can see. Don't have any preformed ideas because you just never know anything could happen. And in my experience, it usually does. It's kind of a wondrous world. And so many people do things in so many different ways. It's astonishing. So that I think turns up a little bit um, in my in my books. We had talked a little bit before the podcast started about your love of going to libraries and um, how that shaped you as a reader. You wanted to talk a little bit about it. Yeah, and actually that question really connects to the one we were just answering because I think that let's say you're growing up in the same place and you're never moving. Well, you can still travel because books are the best voyage. And I was an avid reader as a kid. I was a just a book consumer. I snarfed them up. And I, I'm so glad when I see so many kids doing the same thing today, because, you know, as we all know, and as kids know too, it's the best way to travel. You can be sitting in a comfy chair. You can be, you know, drinking hot chocolate or whatever, and you can go so many places. And you, uh, you know, if you're me, if you're a lot of good, good readers or readers who love to read, you feel like you've really traveled. It's like a portal. A library is a portal. Your story with you and your mother reminds me of um, the picture book Dreamers. The author and illustrator of that book learned how to read and speak English by going to the library. Oh, I, I'll have to check it out. Um, oh, I remember true. being very happy when my sister came along because you could pile a ton of books in a baby carriage. Charlotte, can you tell our Nutmeg listeners about your journey to become a writer? And I'm, we're also wondering if you are working on any projects right now. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I am. Um, the journey to become a writer happened for me so early. I think I always just love to write and scribble and draw. Back when I went to school, it's not wasn't like now. We did a lot of reading and worksheets, but we didn't have a lot of time for free reading or for writing our own stories, which I think is a wonderful thing for most elementary schools today that kids get to do that in school. I did a lot of my own story writing at home. Uh, my mother saved, saved some of them. And um, this is what I told my mother when I was a little kid. And first I'll say it the way I said it to her, because maybe someone speaks Swedish out there. När jag blir stor tänker jag bo på landet och aldrig åka bil bara rida hästar skriva och illustrera böcker för barn. And what that means is, Mama, when I grow up, I'm going to live in the country and I'm going to write and illustrate books for kids. I'm never going to go on in a car. I'm just going to ride horses. So basically some of it came true. I, I've, I've been on a horse one time in my life. <laughs> maybe later I'll, you know, now that I have more time, maybe I'll, I'll try it. Um, I have lived in the country. Right now I live in the town of Brunswick, but even little, little me, I must have been five or six when I told her that, um, you know, I was right about about one thing, I do write and illustrate books for kids. So I think it's just been something that's been part of my life. I didn't come to it late or something like many people can. Do you want to tell us about your new projects? Oh, great, my new projects. Um, well, one of them is I've been thinking about my childhood and all the different things I learned by being new. 
so I'm working uh, on some kind of memoir, maybe a graphic novel. That would probably be for older than elementary school kids. But I'm, I'm also working on a picture book um, about a hullabaloo, about a very shy character. They're best friends, kind of like, uh, well, Elba and Norris become best friends. But in this book, um, Mira and Sid are old friends. But it's Mira's birthday. It's about a, a kind of shy, quiet friend who's whose dear friend by mistake lets, gets out of control this birthday party for her and what he has to do and, and, and apologize. It's kind of both about being anxious about something and also being the good friend who has to say sorry because that comes, you know, that happens. <laughs> yes, it does. That's, sorry, that's, that's something I'm having fun with this summer. Yeah, we'll look forward to seeing your future projects. It's, uh, it's funny, I just crossed um, my fingers like we do here, but in Sweden, you hold your thumbs for luck. So if you want to do, if anybody out there wants to get lucky and, and feel Swedish, just hold, hold, tuck your thumbs into your fist and say, Holtumana. And what does that mean? It literally means hold your thumbs. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. That's what I kind of mean about traveling around the world and where, you know, um, different, like in Sweden, we give each other lucky kick. It doesn't mean you kick hard, but if you want to give someone luck, you give them a little tap of a kick. And, you know, we don't do that in, in usually here. So, you know, when you, the question about when you move around as much as I did, you just learn that things are done differently in so many places. How many languages do you speak? Well, I think I'll say three. My French fa has faded a bit, but I'm, I'm because I, I learned French in, in, you know, Montreal and everything. I, I'm very sorry that I can't say that I speak Cantonese because I spent seven years in Hong Kong, which especially at the time was primarily Cantonese, but all my Chinese friends spoke English. And, you know, I could, I can say, I can count and say a few things, but um, I wish I could say four, but I'm going to have to say three because that's the truth. So it's, it's English and Swedish and French. I just want to say to all the kids out there, especially the kids who might be really wanting to, you know, grow up to be a writer and or an illustrator. I just want to say to, to, to you that that is totally possible. When my daughter was little, she said she was going to grow up to be a reindeer. Well, she was pretty little. And of course, you know, that was a cool thing to think. But writer and illustrator, that's something that if you're out there wanting to be that, you you can grow up to be a writer, illustrator. And um, I'll look forward to reading your books. Violet Miguel, we are so happy to have you on our Nutmeg Book Drops podcast today to talk about the wonderful 2023 nominee, Maybe Tomorrow. Thank you so much for being here with us. It's been a, really a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much. It is a, a huge honor to be a Nutmeg nominee. I feel um, so excited and happy to be in, in the company of all those, all those other books and to be read by, by so many kids and teachers and librarians. So thank you so much for having me. That's it for this week's episode of Nutmeg Book Drops Elementary Edition. You can find out more about our podcast at our website, bit.ly slash librariansconnect. Subscribe to our podcast to be notified when the next episode drops. Thanks so much for listening.